Ukraine is a huge country with the, so the like diversified. Uh, it is has so big culture in it, so big differences, and really nice in every part of Ukraine. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. In reality, Ukrainian people are much better, much more interesting and friendly than other people expect. This podcast is about the real life, experiences, work and personalities of Ukrainian people with a focus on the capital Kiev, so that foreigners discover the positive truth about Ukraine, hear the voices of Ukrainians, visit the country and invest in the economy, creating more opportunities for the younger Ukrainian generations to stay and build their country. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help clean the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me, and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for the children who lost their families in the war. I couldn't return to Ukraine in 2020 because of COVID-19, so this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranking number one on Apple Podcasts about Ukraine. Top 100 travel podcasts in Switzerland, top 60 travel podcasts in the United Kingdom, top 30 in the Netherlands, top 25 travel podcasts on Apple Russia, and top 20 on Apple Poland. So please keep supporting as well as follow the Instagram about this project. It's aziz.future. My guest today is Valery Yakovenko. Valery is the co-founder and CEO of Drone UA since 2013. He is a medical doctor by background and a private entrepreneur since 2008. He has a significant corporate experience in various spheres, including insurance, banking and investment, as well as marketing and digital communications. He has already established a number of successful private businesses, including Marcom and digital agencies in various segments. In 2013, together with a partner, he founded Drone UA, the company that over a short time achieved market leaders' positions as a system integrator of robotic technologies in Ukraine. Today, Drone UA is a long-term reliable partner to many industrial users across Ukraine in spheres of agriculture, energy, oil and gas, surveying, industrial inspections, and more. The company's reputation is confirmed by numerous listings in ratings of many credible media outlets, including Forbes, Business Magazine, Capital Magazine, and 
others. He's the founder and acting chairman of the Agro-IT Committee in Ukraine. So, Valerie, how are you today? Uh, hi. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. And actually, I'm really pleased uh, to join you today for this podcast and talk a little bit about real Ukraine and life of real Ukrainians here. Actually, yes, it's wonderful. That's what it's all about. But what I am really curious about, it will be a totally unexpected question, but how does your brain work when it comes to opportunities? How do you see opportunities as an entrepreneur? Uh, I, to be honest, it is easy. When something is complicated, when somewhere you see some kind of stop uh, to perform some activities, uh, to create something, uh, this is an opportunity. Uh, usually many people see stops and uh, some just problems, uh, but I think that real entrepreneur will see the possibility and opportunity to create something. Thank you. Which opens a whole other question, but to summarize, you said wherever there is friction or wherever there is unoptimal or a way where something being done, is not, uh, there is a problem in doing it. If you see the possibility to solve that problem, then that is an entrepreneurial idea, correct? And then I will ask my question, but is this correct? Yes, this is correct. And then... The problem is, and it may be an existential problem that, or maybe it's because you deal in the B2B, which is a totally different beast. But when you're dealing with direct to consumer, human beings don't always buy what they need. They buy what they want, which makes means that, okay, maybe they have a problem, but it doesn't mean by definition that it will be a high priority for them to spend money on compared to buying something else. For example, when there is um, depression, not just psychological, but when there is an economic crisis, the thing that most people will buy more of is vodka, which is not really a solution to their problem, <laughs> but that's what they want. So that's what I'm asking is, if people buy more what they want and you find a problem you want to solve, what is your method or thought on knowing whether they will spend money on it or not? First of all, uh, we have plenty of things uh, to spend money on. And uh, honestly, this is not only things to change your mentality, like the, the thing that you was mentioning, like vodka. It is about um, different things. It is about... Uh, uh, different time to spend. Uh, we have pretty more things to spend money on than just to buy something. And according to my experience, I'm spending sometimes uh, money to create something new, to probably cook something new with my wife, to spend my uh, time with my family. And I'll, I think I'll better spend money to something to spend time together with my friends. But like this is choice of everybody and the choice is unique for everyone. 
I like what you're saying. You're speaking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Then when you have already shelter and security, etc., you evolve into caring more about the bonding and love and significance within a community and friendship and those social bonds, which is wonderful. And like you said, each person is at a different stage in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now to ask you a bit more, because there is a bit of hero worship for successful entrepreneurs, which is not the reality. They imagine like they had a perfect plan. Everything they do, they have a Midas touch. And it's like, wow, they're the new superhuman <laughs> race or whatever. But it's not the reality. The reality is there is a lot of stumbling, a lot of as well good luck, good fortune, as well as hard work and skill. So can you mention two things? to put more of a human face on you. A really big like mistake maybe that you made that sometimes you think, wow, I wish I didn't do that. And the second, was there some good luck opportunity or someone that opened the door for you that changed your life to show also that, yes, it's like in that medieval times in Venice, they say success is 50% hard work and 50% good fortune and good fortune is capricious and whimsical but can you comment on this please okay um, about mistakes i can tell you the one that i'm actually continuing to do even now i am doing this mistake every day and uh, uh, actually the thing is that i'm spending not enough time with my family uh, as an entrepreneur, I'm spending too much time on work on uh, Monday to Friday, on Saturday and Sunday. I'm working all the time. I'm not uh, going to any vacation and I'm coming home pretty late. And this is a problem because I don't have much time spending with my family, with my wife. And uh, I'm trying to solve it, but I cannot succeed. And this is my problem that I'm continuing to perform and I'm fighting with it right now. But this is, I think, something of my in per problem in person. And about opportunities, you know, uh, it happened when we started our business uh, in, uh, uh, and we started our business in 13 and in 15, uh, it seems to me it was 15 uh, year, we have applied for uh, uh, for a contest of uh, uh, Unlimited Ukraine. Uh, this is a contest that uh, was driven by European Business Association and we won. And according to this uh, contest, uh, this was some kind of a push for our business because uh, from there we have received some really nice feedback from tops of European Business Association. We have received experience of their president and he shared with us a few hours to help us to build idea of our business to grow like in four or five years in advance. Also, we have obtained some uh, additional help uh, with the marketing, with the communication for, from the European Business Association. But definitely what I understood from this point is that if you see some opportunity, some contest, some possibility to participate uh, and collaborate with some business organization, with some union, you just have to try it because uh, possibly 99% of those tries will, will, will lead to lose. 
will lead to nowhere, but 1% will help you. And 1% of those tries actually worth it. So my idea is never stop trying. I like that. I have the same strategy. I call it the regret minimization strategy, which comes in statistics from something called fat tails, which is that we think that the extreme cases are very rare, but in reality, they are, they have a small distributional curve there that gets a bit higher to show that, look, this is the venture capitalist strategy where maybe they will invest in 99 companies and <laughs> 90 of them will fail, nine will be okay, but one will give them like 10,000% return, which means it's worth everything. And to me too, I do that where it's about being prolific because it's, uh, I remember I was watching a, a Stanford uh, online uh, training and they were speaking about how evolution of species happens but not in this way in that way in the way that it actually is being tried and in reality 96 percent or 98 percent of tries fail but it's what allows to find the two percent that will be perfectly adapted to the environment they are in and it's about continually trying and understanding that it's like the thomas edison says where celebrate because you found a way that didn't work and you get closer to that 1% that you spoke about. Now to ask you another thing, and this is very interesting and exciting for me, but you as a person who is involved in robotics, it was there a moment in your childhood, maybe you watched some robotic cartoon, or maybe you bought one of those small robots that you put a battery in and it walks, and you became, became very fascinated with it, or is this something that developed over time where you found an opportunity at a later age and you thought, okay, I have the skills and this is an opportunity, I will go for it, rather than a personal passion? Thank you. This is kind of really interesting question. First of all, uh, the passion came to me and uh, I think that this passion came to every boy in a childhood because everybody wanted some kind of radio plane, radio helicopter, some kind of radio car, like you wanted... Uh, we, we wanted always something that, uh, unfortunately, in post-Soviet Union country, we couldn't afford. And it was a dream for me always to get something like that. But I never succeed because uh, like, it was pretty hard to, to do that in Ukraine in the 90s. But um, uh, actually, I found my passion and bought this kind of helicopter when I was already... Uh, adult and uh, already had a work and uh, I understood that I like it and uh, when we came with an idea to build something new to build a new business this kind of passion that we liked some kind of radio controlled uh, actually toys uh, we it was the thing that changed us into choosing the robotics as uh, our field of work right now. So this is a combination of dreams of a child when I was young and actually <clears throat> passion that I received, but when I was al already adult. This is wonderful. No, I want to explore that more. What is the feeling or the thought 
when you have a radio controlled helicopter or drone or something like that? Is it freedom? Is it finally I am getting what I wanted after waiting for so long? Is it what kind of fascination? What is the meaning and the passion and what is it for you? Uh, first of all, you you cannot compare it with the time we have right now because um, uh, the radio-controlled drone uh, is actually a thing that you can achieve really easily today. It is a common thing. You can see a lot of YouTube videos showing how nice uh, your neighborhood is looking uh, from above. But uh, when I tried it, and it was uh, 13, 2013, Nobody saw how wh- how it looked like. What what do you see from above? And uh, it w- it was actually some kind of opening mind for me. I don't know how to spell it, but uh, it just was totally different view on the things that I was even not expected to see. So um, first drones was not transmitting image to the ground. It was flying, attaching a camera, just fixing the GoPro camera to the drone, flying uh, to like 70 meters high, just manipulating with joysticks uh, to move the drone to some kind of part of the uh, view, prospecting that you will catch this kind of frame that we are looking for. And only after the landing, you was uh, checking the result and it was splendid. Oh my God, I never, I could never uh, forget my first video shootings. It was shaky movie, pretty bad in quality, but we, with awesome views. And this was the happening. Like, I, I liked it. I loved it. And uh, those emotions I will never forget. But please don't mix up the emotion that you caught that time uh, with uh, easy possibility to, to get these emotions today. That time you you had to do really a lot of stuff to do this. And it was pretty hard to uh, bring up in the air a radio-controlled uh, helicopter. Today it is easy. Thank you. So I have to ask because I'm sensing a pattern. And please correct me if this is wrong. When something is easy... You don't really, I mean, my understanding is when something is easy, you don't find as much satisfaction or appreciation for it. But when you work very hard, when it's difficult and then you finally achieve, it's that feeling is really high and multiplied and really meaningful and stays forever. Is this correct? Uh, Yes. When you work on something pretty hard, you are getting appreciation. You appreciate the result. And you, when you res- achieve the same result, but with less effort made, uh, you have not so big like expectation. I don't know how to say it, but definitely. The harder you work on the result, the better you like it. Yes, and this is fascinating. Could this be related to why you work so hard and even like don't spend time with your family because it's looking for that next high emotion of working hard and receiving something difficult and then seeing it as a reward and see it happen in reality? Honestly, I think that the reason is different. Uh, the reason is that I love my job. I love what I'm doing and uh, this is my passion. I never stopped to believe 
and to see something more and more exciting. Uh, every day I am finding something new and uh, I'm achieving some new results and it never stops. Uh, my work actually is, uh, is built on my hobby, to be honest. And I think that this is a real um, reason why I'm working so hard. I like that. You're mentioning intrinsic motivation and that in reality, you're not even working. It's to you so much fun that you do it that and you lose time in it. Then I have to ask two things. One, do you believe that it's possible for most people to make good money by working on their hobby? Or do you feel that that was something really lucky that happened to you? And do you think that a lot of people don't work as hard? Not in this way, because they did a study, I think, and they found in eight hours of work in the corporate environment or in the government, the employees only have 20 minutes of productive time and the rest is wasted totally because they don't love their job. So to ask you, do you believe that that is something that can be changed to find a way for everyone to do the job they love and add value to the world? Or if not, what is your comment? You touched pretty tough question. This is about motivation. And um, for entrepreneurs, it is easy because uh, any way you do, you will always shift uh, to the way you love uh, to do something. Like uh, you always choose your way to perform some work. And uh, working for some corporation or for the government, you have to find some other uh, sources of motivations that not just like satisfying you from the hobby that you are performing. Honestly, I believe that this is a combination of luck and uh, and 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 changing of the realities <laughs> possibility. Uh, I believe that everybody could. Uh, love more the works if they find a way to do so. Uh, every work deserves to be loved, but uh, uh, you have just to find the proper way. Uh, according to my experience, it was huge luck for me to find a possibility to create my job around my hobby. Thank you. This is wonderful and makes me think, okay, let me ask a real deep philosophy of science question, which is really off field. What many thinkers about science are thinking nowadays, especially the philosophers, in reality, other than things like math and physics, and maybe even physics is not at that level, we don't know what is causing success. It's all randomness and chaos theory in action. And in reality, People who are uh, successful are not really smarter in the way or harder working than everyone else. I don't mean an IQ, but I mean because uh, some people can have low IQ, but high emotional intelligence or high street smarts. But what they're saying is, look, science is just a compromise for us to think about an agreed way to think about reality. But in reality, we cannot know whether the instruments are giving us correct readings or not. We just have that assumption that it is there. But if we look deeper, in reality, it's all 
randomness and randomness is not random it comes in streaks where you can have multiple moments of good luck or multiple moments of bad luck and when someone is successful and then they lose everything they say oh he lost it but in reality that was his good luck moments and then he arrived to his bad luck moments and maybe later he returned to good luck but we don't have as much control as we think we're just in a big huge system and too many factors are affecting too many things that just one human being or a team and their work don't make much of a difference it's more about being at the right place at the right time and appreciating that you got lucky so give back to the community and to your life as much as possible and enjoy this roller coaster ride what is your opinion on this uh see it seems for me it seems that successful people never stops trying uh they continue to move forward yes sometimes we achieve we we receive some hits from the reality and we have to do some step back but in the next second we are doing one more and one more step forward to pass the problem and move forward no matter what i now i don't know actually how to say about it but this is um entrepreneurship uh, and and uh, um, a success that we want is a result of the way that we have to move forward sometimes i don't even know my uh point when where i want to arrive i just understand that i need to do some next steps or more and more and move forward and uh, i think that most of entrepreneurs are doing the same we we just don't know what will happen next what will happen tomorrow or what will happen in like 2020 year <laughs> uh, nobody can predict the future but the only uh, recipe for the success is the moving you have to move always no, never stop not for any moment and according to my vision uh, you have to fight for the strictness of the rules that we have frowned you we have to think wider we have to look from above of on any questions on any possibility and use it uh, to move forward and uh, this is the recipe i like that it reminds me of that famous rocky balboa speech where he says <laughs> you know success is about how hard you hit it's about how hard you can get it and keep moving forward keep moving. That, <laughs> yes that's how winning is done uh, that if you know what you want in life or what you're worth you you have to go and get what you're worth so now i have to ask you another question and it's not so philosophical but it's cultural i had multiple people guests here who spoke about something when they went to canada or the us or even germany they noticed that people don't criticize them or intervene in their lives while in ukraine they felt people come and try to give them advice even strangers about what they should do in their life and if they make a mistake it's like everyone becomes a huge critic and they become people who try to tell them oh you did this wrong you should listen to me and do something else and try to tell them how to live their life you as an entrepreneur who like you said of course you might make mistakes 99% of the time but because you try one more time 
and one more time and one more time, which is really uh, funny. There is um, something called in design thinking by one of the really famous architects in the US, but I don't really remember his name right now uh, in one of the books I read from him. And he's said, look, this is how to design think your life. Think what is the maximum, the best life I want to have and begin creating it. And when you fail, try again. When you fail, try again. And then when you fail three times, keep trying. So <laughs> that's, it's like <laughs> forever, you know? So uh, to you to ask you about the cultural thing, and I'm not commenting on it, but at least three or four people said that it's a situation in Ukraine where even strangers, if you make a mistake, everyone becomes a jury and a judge, and they come try to tell you that that is so bad and how to live your life. How do you deal with it? Or is your brain as an entrepreneur able to handle that criticism? Or what is the situation according to your perspective? Honestly, it is a little bit deeper than you told. Uh, in Ukraine, we have a problem that um, most of people are uh, like are not happy with, uh, I don't know how to say, but they are just not smiling. And not smiling is not just uh, uh, something on your face. Uh, it is not about mimics. Not smiling is, always, is also not to encourage somebody who is near of you. Uh, in Ukraine, we have pretty lack of the persons who, who are telling, okay, don't, don't, uh, don't pay attention, try again. Uh, don't worry, I will help you move forward. In Ukraine, we don't have many people like that. We, everybody around uh, needs a support of this kind. And I, I know hundreds of times when somebody near of me told to me something that was pessimistic. And we really lack of smiles in conversation, in some kind of positive things, positive thinking. And um, I think that uh, we need to change this. I don't know how, in what way, but we definitely need to change this thing. Thank you. Then I have to ask you two things because it's very important to understand the reality and the ability to change things. So two, one, you deal with a lot of technologically smart as well as probably younger people. Do you notice this to be there in the younger generation as well? Or is it like one of the guests that I had, I think, he was Leonid. He said it's more of the post-Soviet people uh, rather than the younger generations. And the second thing, well, you could have lived anywhere in the world. Maybe you could have looked at the chart of the happiest country in the world, but it will be Bhutan, which is <laughs> near China, probably wouldn't go, but maybe you'll go to the fifth or another one. Why? What kept you staying in Ukraine? So we also see the positive side and the reason why you chose to stay and develop this company, which you could have done anywhere. You could be now on Miami Beach and it's open now. There is no lockdown in the sunshine and you could be developing drones all day. So why did you choose to stay in Kiev and Ukraine? Answering your first question about young people or uh, post-Soviet Union uh, people. 
um, in my like I am I'm in touch with different um, I have some kind of specific people around me uh, most of them are coming from the IT uh, part of them are successful entrepreneurs or businessmen another part is the top managers of different companies etc this is some kind of a bubble that I have I don't see another stories but uh, it happened that we are we are different age we are even from different nations uh, we are all different but we have pretty common of things together like we have uh, things to talk about and we understand each other it is extremely interesting for us to talk to each other and to know things from each other we we have everybody from us is having huge experience and really really interesting to share it to be shared so uh, but this this is probably uh, a thing that we have to share not only within our network but outside of the bubble uh, and we are not this is not about age and this is not about some kind of uh, strictness of the post uh, country limitations this is different from my point of view and this is actually an answer to the second of your question is uh, that the world became global we don't have limits around us the borders that we draw on the map are actually they are fictive. Uh, sometimes, just like only in 2020, we found that uh, it is extremely hard to break uh, them to get to some country because we have uh, COVID situation and pandemic situation over the, over the world. But uh, the thing that we have to understand that the world actually is the global and working in Ukraine, you can create something like everywhere in the world. And this is a choice of uh, everybody separately. Why uh, he choose one kind of a country from another? Why well, staying in Ukraine? Because I love it. This is my, like, this is my home. And uh, I have a lot of friends here, a lot of places that I love. And uh, I have undiscovered Ukraine. Uh, during last year, I have visited so many nice parts of Ukraine and that I even couldn't believe that they exist. Uh, everybody, uh, like we have around us undiscovered world. And uh, when somebody is uh, telling that he doesn't like Ukraine and wants to move, I don't know, to, to, to another state or to another country because he just doesn't like his home uh this is not correct because he probably haven't seen it ukraine is beautiful country like look outside how like it is <laughs> it is a fairy tale outside with this kind of snow with this kind of it is like switzerland in some parts of ukraine on other part during summer uh we have green uh, fields we have so beautiful mountains on the western part of ukraine that you have to visit them and uh, this is enormous country and uh, i'm staying here because i love it i agree with you and many guests spoke about even ukrainians now rediscovering places like the azov sea or some, so many other places where because of the inability to travel people 
were somewhat encouraged or motivated to travel within Ukraine and find so many interesting places. Well, we saw from different perspectives your own views on Ukraine. But to summarize it a bit more, imagine, and since you love the uh, drones, you probably love space as well. <laughs> so imagine a Martian came to Earth and they'll like have you as a representative of Ukraine. And they ask you and they say, look, Valerie, we want you to tell us what is Ukraine? Who are the Ukrainians? And how can you describe the culture, the people, as well as your favorite things to us? We don't know. We never saw the Earth before. You are the intergalactic ambassador. <laughs> so please tell us, so what would you say? Oh my God, this is so funny. Uh, first of all, I have a question for you. Uh, do they eat something? This is intergalactic persons or visitors? Yes, they will eat <laughs> because food is delicious. So, <laughs> so I'll make them gourmet lovers. Okay, so I will start with the food. Ukraine is a huge country with the, so the like diversified. Uh, it is has so big culture in it, so big differences, and really nice in every part of Ukraine. Uh, I love Ukrainian food because it is so different from every parts of Ukraine. You have to you can find something really nice and interesting. Um, last year, uh, my wife joined joined the team of uh, uh, colleagues with the new project Nezaimana. This is a project about uh, discovering uh, undiscovered Ukraine, like the parts that was not visited at all or described in some news or in some uh, visions. Uh, and and we, uh, we we did some expeditions, and one of them I was participating in, uh, in and I, I saw how beautiful and interesting our country are. So uh, it is rich, culturally rich country, and we definitely have to come here, and not once, because in one time you will never discover Ukraine and food of Ukraine, Ukrainian food also. You have to come here oftenly. So please, intergalactic visitors, come to Ukraine. <laughs> I have to ask, because the stereotype would be that you, as someone who is very technologically minded, who works very hard, who loves drones and robotics, etc., that like many people like that, they will say, oh my God, we wish humans were like robots because we don't know the formula for human beings. We're confused. So to ask you, you seem to love culture, to love people, to have a developed sense of like interpersonal relationships and an appreciation for human beings. How did that develop? Are you a high empathy person? And how do you have this thing which is a bit of a clash with the stereotype of a scientist who just observes people in a cold manner and is super logical, but you don't seem to be. So maybe, I don't know, I'm guessing you're more of a, a sci-fi fan who grew up reading those books and you sneaked into the scientific circles just to make your dreams come true rather than a semi-cyborg who is living and uh, shape-shifting into a scientist. So please share more. 
Look, uh, first of all, uh, we are all different and we have roles to play and work to do, and it is different. Uh, I'm more uh, focused on the communication and uh, uh, business development within our, my company or within our company. And uh, uh, honestly, I'm just this kind of person that, uh, that is just open, open for new visions, new connections, new understandings. And yes, I understand that I'm probably not this kind of closed guys who you wanted to see from a robotic company, but I believe that everybody is opened. Uh, and I don't know how to tell you properly, but uh, this is a stereotype that is not correct. I am surrounded with uh, people like me and we all build robots. What is the problem? <laughs> we also we, we are all uh, like this, and uh, we are open. We are pretty clear-minded, and uh, this is a stereotype that you have to be um, introvert to build robots. Thank you. And you said you have a bubble of your own special people. So in a way, you have created a mini country within Ukraine where you defy all stereotypes, you break all the rules, and you live life in a very futuristic way. And I'm, if my understanding is correct, you even like to learn from people and their experience more than books or audiobooks or things like that. But to ask you now, since I want to respect your time, could you share about Drone UA? what you're working on, who you're working with, who would be the right people maybe to work with you, and the latest project you're working on, as well as if people wish to connect with you or with your company, which websites or links would be best? Uh, first of all, yes, this is true. Uh, I'm living in a bubble a little bit. But I have a task and a little bit of, of dream <laughs> to make bubble bigger. I want more connections. I want more interesting people to uh, contact with. Uh, I want to see more experience and more interesting stories. And yes, you are right. Um, I prefer uh, some kind of um, these the, um, real-time stories to be shared. I prefer communications before some kind of audio books, etc. So this is this is the thing that you are right uh, about uh, our projects. So we are running. Uh, we are working uh, always uh, with some new projects, with some new uh, ideas, and the current one is that we are working into establishing totally new. Uh, way of agriculture servicing uh, in Ukraine. We are launching a fleet of agriculture drones and right now we are expanding it and this direction has uh, already became one of the biggest in Europe. So uh, we, we, we are really looking uh, into the partnership in this question. Uh, this is a part of my work, but in terms of uh, communications, I'm always open for all uh, possibilities to connect, to exchange experience, and I'm always open for a conversation. My Facebook uh, page is Valeria Kovenko, and uh, I'm always open for all incoming messages to connect. Uh, I'm checking my LinkedIn page pretty rarely, 
So unfortunately, I'm replying with a delay there, but I'm checking there as well. So if anybody wants to know more about Ukraine, about uh, like possibilities for foreigners to come here to work together to establish some projects, if he want, if anyone wants to share his ideas, just like please just connect. I am really will be excited to. To talk to you. Thank you so much. It was so much fun and a lot of pleasure for me to speak with you and I wish you a great day. Thank you for your invitation. It was a pleasure for me.